0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Colby Cast, your place for community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling. Happy Bad Batch Eve, everybody! This episode is dropping on Tuesday, January 10th, the day before Episode Three of the Bad Batch hits Disney Plus. So we are here to talk about the first two episodes of that series: Episode One, The Spoils of War, and Episode Two, The Ruins of War. And joining me to do that are Caleb and Luke. Hello, Caleb. Hello. Hello, Luke. Hi. So before we get into the first two episodes, this is actually the first time we've talked about The Bad Batch on this podcast. We hadn't started the Colby cast when The Bad Batch was out before, and it had concluded beforehand. So what we what did you guys think about the show itself in general and the first season of The Bad Batch? Caleb?
1: I really like The Bad Batch because it's a good balance of adult but also where a child can watch it and they do a good job of tying in omega because she literally is a child but it has like lessons that you can learn that you learn in life but now you're watching it through a show whether you realize it or not and it's it's a group of of veteran warriors you yeah. know but they have to have this family dynamic they're all a band of brothers but now it they, they makes a sister into the group and a lot younger of a sister and it changes the entire dynamic of the group so i think they do a good job of having that balance but also bringing it into a time where there's not a lot of history you know that the clones are gone and in the season finale they really show you that the clones are really gone yeah um and just that entire thing is like Visually amazing. The story is phenomenal. And that's the finale of season one. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see what season two has has in store for us.
0: Yeah, me too. Luke, what did you think about the the first season of The Bad Batch? You had this listed as one of your most anticipated shows of 2023, didn't you?
2: Yeah, I really liked season one. I liked that it took place in a time frame that we hadn't seen before. And now we've seen Andor in that same time frame. It's a very serious time frame but they're not a totally serious group. True, They can be at times and they have their moments where, you know, they take things very seriously because it's very high stakes and they're trying to take care of one another and especially Omega, but they're just so fun to be around. And it, it's weird. It's not like you're combining two things that don't work. It's a very unserious group and a very serious storyline, but it works really well.
0: Yeah, it does. I think it's a very, it's such a unique show, and I, I, we've all talked about it before. Star Wars animation for us, you know, is, is pretty special. I mean, you guys really sort of, to use an old person's phrase like I am, cut your teeth on Star Wars animation, right? Both of you guys enjoyed the prequels, but really the fandom took root for both of you through watching those weekly Clone Wars episodes. So the whole drama with the clone wars getting canceled and then clone wars season seven coming out, getting an opportunity to, um, to introduce the bad batch. And then the news of them getting their own show, it was really welcome. Right. I thought it was so, um, I just, I look at this show as like a, almost like a sequel to the clone wars. It, it comes out of the clone wars. So it's such a refreshing and fun thing to have for us to enjoy on a weekly basis um, like we did with the Clone Wars, or at least you guys did for the Clone Wars. So it, it, the time frame that it takes place in is filling in the gaps. You know, Star Wars does this fun thing where they sort of skip ahead 10 years or three years or even 30 years in the case of the sequels, and then they go back and they fill in those those gaps, and this is what we get with the Bad Batch. Um, and I, I just enjoy it as an extension of Star Wars animation. I enjoy it as a continuation of the Clone Wars, and I enjoy it because of the content that we're getting Uh, the look at the at the universe that the empire is solidifying its hold on right like a couple episodes we saw last season you referenced it caleb when they took out camino right you know they they obviously took out the entire facility Um, another smaller uh, example is when people had to turn in their credits for galactic credits or imperial imperial credits and the chain code the idea of the chain code identification so it's these little tiny things where we see the empire's grasp on the galaxy getting tighter and tighter and uh we mentioned andor we get to see that you know in like the 10 to 15 year range and here it's showing us at the beginning so we're getting this history told from both sides and it closes in towards the middle and it's just such a, a, a cool concept and a fun, entertaining show. The group itself is one of my favorite things. And you mentioned it, Caleb, too. You know, the, the different dynamics between the characters. Uh, Omega, Omega is the little sister. But as we learned in the first season, she's actually older than the <laughs> than these hardened warriors, right? Um, wrecker, Hunter, even Crosshair, uh, which we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about Crosshair coming up. Tech and Echo make up this group, and they're so different as characters, but they're so much fun to watch because of those differences and the and the different dynamics between them. Who is your favorite character in The Bad Batch?
1: So it's hard not to pick Wrecker. It's hard not to pick Echo. It's hard not. To, I'm just gonna list every single one of them, <laughs> them because they're all so great. But if I had to pick one, it would be Tech because he is the least. Uh, comical on purpose he's accidentally funny he's very factual logical thinker he crunches the numbers he's always looking at the facts of it all and will give you the probability and the odds and you know how Star Wars people feel about odds so um, (laughs) he brings a a dynamic that is necessary instead of just being a bunch of meatheads trying to force their way through like a, a a square peg in a circle hole, you know? (laughs) So he tells you, no, that's literally not going to work. But it's always great when his facts aren't to a T because you have to adapt. Right. So the group has a good job of keeping him reeled in, but without him, I really don't know where the whole group would be.
0: He's sort of like a, well, first of all, he's like the straight man to the, he, he is, he's not the butt of jokes, but he makes things funnier because of the, sort of the zaniness of yeah. what's going on with other characters he's the guy that they play off of to make yep. it even more funny and the other thing about tech that i think is funny is that he's more he's like a more useful 3po <laughs>
1: with,
0: with his constant statistics and his odds and whatever but he can he can move a lot faster than 3po because he has bendable knees and you know he can do all kinds of uh, very very important things like Fly the Marauder, which 3PO... <laughs> I don't know how many vehicles we ever saw him fly, but yeah, tech's cool. Uh, Luke, what about you? What was your favorite?
2: I got to go with Hunter. Okay. Hunter's... I feel like he really embodies the Bad Batch because he's you know, he's not as goofy as the rest, but he's less serious than Echo, um, but he's more serious than Wrecker, and he's more personable than tech and you know it's it's just it's a really i don't know i feel like if you put all of them together you get hunter right and i i like it two would definitely be omega mm-hmm. but hunter he's the leader of the group but not a dictator right you never see him like getting into it with the other bad batch he's always just inspiring them and they just listen because they know he's usually right
0: yeah yeah Uh, I like the fact that you brought that he's not a dictator because he's a leader. Like he is a leader. All of them, including Omega are sold out and ready to do what he needs to do. They know he carries the burden of making the decisions when the decision needs to be made. Right. And, but at the same time, he's compassionate. He wants the best for Omega. Really. It was his, it was his decision when it came down to it to take her off of Camino when they were leaving in the beginning of the season. Right. So he wanted to do what was best for her. And we get that theme even extended into the beginning of this season where he wants to give her the best life possible. And, you know, that's a leader that he it's, it's, it's like this servant leader type of idea where he is going to lead, but he wants to lead his group of people to the best possible scenario not what he wants not what he thinks is best but what's best for for them so it's a really good dynamic but you brought up omega um before before we i actually would love to hear all of our all of our thoughts on omega specifically so let's let's uh put a pin in, in omega there on the little cork board for a second because i wanted to talk about record before because <laughs> he's my favorite he just cracks me up i think he's he brings the levity of, a, of what could be a very serious and heavy series he brings that that levity when he's on screen, a, a scene doesn't go by normally that I don't chuckle or giggle a little bit. Um, at the same time though, he has heart. There was a, a few uh, uh, episodes between him and Omega last season where we saw some really heartfelt things. Like they would go out and get that. Um, what was the snack? The it's like uh, popcorn It's like that popcorn kind of snack yeah. thing when they're on Ord Mantel, Right. And then uh, another episode when they were having their chips removed, Right where they just connected yeah. in a really heartfelt way, and uh, as much as he brings the laughs, Wrecker brings the heart as well. I think he, in in, in many ways, he's the heart of the batch, uh, and he just cracks me up. But he's he's one of the only Funko Pops I have of the Bad Batch. <laughs> I have him and Omega, so they they sit, they stand next to each other on my shelf. I love, love Wrecker. Uh, but let's talk a little bit more about Omega because. You know, in the beginning of the season, of last season, we're introduced to her on Camino, right? And right off the bat, I just found her so charming. She is obviously extremely intelligent. I don't know if it's confirmed or not that she has enhancements or not. But to me, it seems like she does just because she seems like she's so mature and ahead of uh, like two or three steps ahead of what needs to happen most of the time. And she's sort of brings like this X factor to the whole group. Not only is she sort of like a mirror for the group and also like a bright light that she shines on them to make them change and help them grow. But she's also a very productive and very, um, I don't want to say useful. She, she's very useful, but I guess that's the best way. She's She fits into the group and and serves many, many purposes. They're not there just taking care of her. In many ways, she's there taking care of them, but contributing every step of the way. So, Luke, you mentioned her as as a, as a close second to Hunter. Uh, what are some of your thoughts on Omega specifically?
2: I think she gives the Bad Batch a purpose, right? Because in Season 1, they were all just... Or in uh, not season one, in season seven when we met them, they were just going around from place to place picking up the republic's messes, right? They're cleaning up the republic's messes, and they uh, they definitely get along better from what it seems like. But I think that now that they have Omega, they now especially you know they're being hunted down and everything, and yeah. uh, you know they're going to be decommissioned and whatnot. reprogrammed i guess yeah um but it gives them a reason to keep fighting outside of just surviving right they want to give omega some somewhere to be and they want to give her a better life than what she's had and what she would have if they were to get captured and she's also she adds just like such a different dynamic to the group because like it's a bunch of ugly smelly boys and she's you know (laughs) And she's like, so, she's so mischievous and yeah. like goes over a lot of their heads, right? Yep. Because especially Echo and Tech, they're so literal and they take everything to heart. And then, you know, she's – in season one, she redid Wrecker's uh, Bunk.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and
2: he didn't even know what to do with himself. And that's something, like, none of them would have ever thought of that. Yeah. But he appreciated it so much, but, you know, and nothing, no knock on them, but they're just not those types of people that would do that, but she is.
0: Yeah, she's she brings such a wonderful dynamic to the whole group. Caleb, what, you, what do you think? What are your thoughts on Omega?
1: Luke, you mentioned that Hunter is sort of the embodiment of the entire batch, but that's how I see Omega. Mm-hmm. She doesn't necessarily have confirmed enhancements, like you said. Yeah other than the fact that she's, like, the only blonde clone that I can remember. True. Um, But she is just this sponge. She's this Swiss army knife. You see her studying in the first uh, uh, scene of season two, Mm -hmm. and she's just picking it up really fast. Like, it's almost boring to her, not because she has to read and study all these planes, but because she just picks it up so quickly. And she might not have this like, super strength that, that Wrecker has, but she definitely can... She's sort of like the the Hulk and what is her name? Um Black Widow dynamic where oh, sure. if if Wrecker would ever get too like out of his his being yeah, too crazy she or would aggressive. calm him down yeah. and ground him. That's true. And I think that's a great thing to have in case like he did where his, his inhibitor chip just got the best of him. Yeah. You know? And Omega's bring the brings this, like I said, Swiss Army knife, because she can talk to each and every one of them. Not all of them speak text language Mm -hmm. because he's very literal, but she's getting to know him and know facts better and therefore be able to speak to him better and being able to pull her own weight. You saw her trying to pull the bow um, when she first got it and it was a struggle. Now Mm -hmm. she's getting it and she's threatening anybody who's getting in the way of their mission and and her loved ones really. So I really, really like her it's hard to say that she's my second favorite. So I'm going to be honest and say that she's not mm-hmm. because I don't even put her in the same category. She just, there's nothing else like her. Yeah. So I wouldn't even compare her. Yeah. But for me, I think second is definitely uh echo and that just <laughs> brings him back to his origin story really in, in the clone wars yeah. where he got his name, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's my second favorite, but Omega, she's topped here and, I, uh, I can't wait to see what they really have because she's really saving the day left and right, mm-hmm. but she's still a child, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so you can't expect her to do it every time. It's
0: a uh, cool that you brought up her dynamic with different characters because she really has, and, and going into episode one and two. So it's sort of, it's sort mm-hmm. of a good uh, segue into the first two episodes because something happened in these two episodes that I don't think really happened too much in season one. And I'm glad that it happened so quickly in season two. And what I mean by that is that she has an individual connection now with Echo, where I don't think that they were there, they coexisted, but I don't think that she shared much of a connection with Echo, like she did with the rest of the batch. And I don't think that there's any specific reason for it, except that, They just spent time establishing her relationship with each member of the Bad Batch. And and the reason I'm bringing this up is because she really does have um, sort of an independent relationship with every single one of them. Her relationship with Hunter is special in its way. They sort of almost have like a father-daughter dynamic or a big brother-younger sister dynamic. No, not even more. I I think the big brother, younger sister is more like Wrecker and and her, right? But then Hunter has more of like the the guardian role over her. To me, I see
1: Hunter as like the eldest child where he's overseeing all of them, but he also understands that each of them is in their own right to make their own decisions but he really just watches over it and will, I think he'll literally sacrifice himself to mm-hmm. keep Omega going.
0: Yeah. I, I don't, I think in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I hope it never comes to that. I hope they make it to the end together. But at the same time, like Hunter is like the eldest child. Yeah. The the guardian is a perfect way to put it.
0: Yeah. He, he, I, and the leader and the one that would lay down his life yeah. for either any of the members yeah. of the, of the bad batch, especially Omega. Uh, yeah. and then she has a special, Relationship with tech because he's really mentoring her in the nuts and bolts, the actual hard data. She's learning different classes of starships and she's learning how to do things. She's studying like the actual, I thought it was a cool uh thing that you brought up that it's kind comes so easy to her that even in the first scene we see her she's sitting there reading and studying and she just sort of puts it to the side and says, I'm gonna soak up some Rays here for yeah. a minute. And tech comes out, he's like, oh is this an unscheduled break? <laughs> like, okay, buddy, come on, you schedule your breaks. But again, it's a unique individual relationship between her and another member of the batch because she's just connected to everybody. And the thing I like that we got to see with Echo over these first two episodes, and we'll, we'll sort of just talk about this before we get into the nuts and bolts of the episodes, she overheard Echo saying to Hunter, like, she's the reason we live the way that we live. I don't think he meant that in a bad way. Yeah. But of course, if you're a young person and you hear someone you admire say that, I could see how you could take it as a potential thing to make you feel bad or, or doubt yourself but by the end of this quick two episode arc maybe it's going to have more but these two quick adventures they clear the air and they talk and and echo has the opportunity to say I would do it all again yeah. right he doesn't have any regrets or any anything that he would do differently and i thought that that was a really cool way to start out this first couple episodes of the of the season let's establish that real quick let's have echo and and omega have their moment together and and then move forward um one member of the batch that we haven't talked about whatsoever maybe because i don't know is he a part of the batch is crosshair right he's an original uh he's an original um clone force 99er but he's gone off and i thought that at the end of the first season it was one of the most powerful storytelling decisions was for him to tell them, I don't have my chip anymore. I just feel this way. This is what I believe. Yeah. And I think it makes it a really interesting dynamic for this clone to be out there, because he's obviously not dead. We've seen him in the trailers. We didn't see him in these episodes, but he's out there. Um, And he does not agree with the way that they've gone. So he has made a decision to break with the group uh which i think is a very interesting dynamic because it's going to provide for some real interesting twists and turns i would imagine over the course of the show however long it is so uh but even with their limited time together omega has sort of a connection with crosshair too i remember in one of the first episodes last season she says you know what you're going to do is not your fault yeah and you know, she was so, um, you know, sort of full of grace towards what she knew empathy. was yeah, and, and empathy. Yeah. So anyhow, um, crosshair, we'll see, uh, we'll see where we get crosshair. We didn't get any, any crosshair in the first two episodes. Um, but I'm sure we'll get some more of it. So let's get into the first, the first episode. Uh, what were your, your general thoughts? What did you guys think about having this crew back, having the show back, Um, and how did you feel about the, the first, let's just say overall and general thoughts with the first two episodes?
2: They were good. It was a really easy transition because especially like right at the beginning, you know, they're on a beach, it's nice and sunny. And and then of course you just see them running out and it looks like the Flintstones, but they, um, the first two episodes were good because it didn't, it was serious enough where you could remember in the stakes of the first season. But it was also fun enough to remember like that this is a Star Wars animated show. And that's sort of the feel of most of them except for season seven of the Clone Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Caleb?
1: I loved the colors. I love that oh, they're not God. just black, grey and red yeah. uniforms. Yeah. They have a little bit of blue, all of this different stuff. And it made me think of when we went and we were able to see uh in the hall, what was it, H? Hall H, yeah. Um, yeah, um, of celebration, yeah. Or whatever it, was, it was the main.
0: It was the main stage, yeah. Um, whatever it was
1: called, where you got to see that scene exactly. Yeah. And I, I maybe remembering incorrectly, but I think there was a segment of it taken out. And I think it's better that way because it spent a lot of time on that coast, and then we didn't get to see much more than that. But we got to see it a couple times, which is great. Yeah. But I thought it was such an interesting event for them to get into right off the bat because you don't really like, you don't think of Count Dooku dying and then all of his assets still being available for people. Yeah. And they just brought it in. It's a big part of everything right now. Mm-hmm. The other thing I thought was really cool was there's no more clones. You yeah. got to see whoever the clone was. I can't remember his name. So with an M.
0: Wilco. Oh, Wilco. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wilco.
1: You get to see him. He's still involved, but he's surrounded by non-clones. Mm-hmm. So the advantage that the bad batch had where they knew pretty much all the formations and stuff, yeah. that's gone. That's yeah. over. Yeah. And I think Tech's going to struggle with that because he doesn't know that these people are of a free will in mind and they're still going to fall in line and follow orders, but they're not going to stick to everything to a T. So yeah. those are my favorite things about it. And man, the titles for both, the Spoils of War and Ruins of War, it confused me because – Sure, you're getting off of the coattails of a giant, giant, giant war in their history. Yeah. But it's not really a war anymore. Mm -hmm. They're pretty much these like vultures coming in for anything they can get their hands on. Yeah. To this giant conglomerate that nobody's going to defeat at this point in time. Yeah. So I thought they were interesting and, uh, for them to break Tech's ankle was depressing, <laughs> but I, I'm curious to see what he's going to be able to do off his feet. He's
2: 150 kilograms on his femur.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, on his femur. Um, but he's his best muscle is his brain, yeah. so I, he's not going to be completely obsolete.
0: Okay, so for general thoughts, number one, I thought the same thing about what we saw at Celebration, because we did see most of, if not all, I can't remember exactly, of that of that first scene, which I thought was man, Star Wars animation just gets better and better and better, right? I mean the minute that the that the episode started and we see this beach and they're running away from these crab creatures and Omega is hanging out, you know, catching the rays while she's studying. And then she's in the middle of all the action and you you referenced her ability with her bow. And she was just like mowing stuff down. Right. And these creatures were, were good enough and smart enough to know, like they got to they, they got to duck and let their shells absorb the blasts. Right. And um, so it's a fun, it was a fun way to start the, the animation of it looked gorgeous I've never seen water animated so beautifully than on the Bad Batch. There was another season, I'm sorry, there was another episode in season one where there was water, and I remember thinking to myself, how, this is, I'm sorry, I'm geeking out over animated water,
1: (laughs) but it looked gorgeous, like so, so good. My favorite thing about Star Wars animation is you know it's animation, because technology and all that is so realistic now that you can CGI someone that looks real. Yeah. They don't need to do that. They go with the art form that is their yeah. animation, and it's so spectacular.
0: Yeah, and I love the look of it. And it's just so wonderful to have it back. I really enjoyed Tales of the Jedi, and a part of the reason I love Tales of the Jedi was because it's Star Wars animation. Um, but but going back to the episodes uh, with Bad Batch, uh, another thing I thought was stellar through both of them were the sounds. Yeah, The sound was so good wrecker has a new toy right <laughs> with his like sort of portable cannon and that thing sounded so awesome. And then, uh, anytime you see like a speeder or a land, uh, um, like one of those bike type of things that they were running, that they were using,
1: yeah.
0: uh, on Sereno, which is a throwback to return of the Jedi on Endor. The sound of that vehicle is just always so wonderful to me. It, it just brings me back to when I was watching it as a kid and, I, one of my favorite things about star Wars is the sound and the bad batch excels at yeah. that. The end, the look of it, the sound of it is just gorgeous. I also loved the way that they've made some subtle and not so subtle changes to their, to their clone armor. Yeah. Right. So it's more, it pops more. There's more personality to it. Uh, I love the fact that they still wear it because they could, they could have ditched it and yeah. tried not to bring any attention to themselves but no, they just customized it,
1: and they even gave Omega her own little helmet, which I was stoked about.
0: Okay, so the first time I saw that helmet, is celebration, I thought to myself, well, that looks a little, a little awkward. I, am not sure I love the look, but by the end of this episode, I was in. I'm like,
1: yeah, it works. Yeah, it she brings work. it down, and she, you know she's ready for action, and that's what all the rest of her brothers do. You know, yep. they don't just run around without their helmets. It's part of their uniform. It's part of their. They're weapons of battle.
0: It it absolutely is. Um, so, it, just some of some of our more specific, some of my more specific thoughts about the uh, la- last thing before I move on. I felt like these two episodes. Number one, they flew by. Like I was, it felt like I blinked and the first one was over. And it's not because they were short; they're a normal episode length for this show, which is just over twenty minutes anyway. But it was so engaging and entertaining that. I couldn't believe the, the first one ended when it did. And then the second one picks up and it flew by too. And that's just a wonderful aspect of tight and good storytelling, right? Where it just grabs your attention and you lose track of, of the time.
1: It should be absolutely illegal and outlawed to start a season with two or three episodes like Andor and Bad Batch have now, and then go one episode a week. <laughs> I am absolutely spoiled because I've grown up, in my memorable days as a streaming kid, instead of (laughs) waiting for things to release on cable, but it's, it's not fair. It shouldn't be allowed. You can't give that much content and then be like, okay, here's 25 minutes. That'll last you a week.
0: So the good news is, is there's a tweet out there or an Instagram post that star Wars put out, uh, with episode, um, titles and the dates of their release. And there's going to be a couple times in the upcoming season where they release two, in one week. It's not next week. And it's not a normal. I know you're looking at me like you're still... Yeah, you, this not, doesn't matter to you whatsoever.
1: Not enough. If it's not the, the go-to, it's not enough. I'm starting a petition. I need you all to sign it.
0: <laughs> so so what you're saying is that you're a binger now and you, wanna, you want all episodes available uh, immediately?
1: Yes. I once watched an entire season of Friday Night Lights in <laughs> one night. Literally one night. It was dark when I started it and it was light when I finished it.
0: Well sorry I can't do much for you <laughs> I, I don't know but maybe the power of the Colby cast can get you uh, oh actually this is just gonna make you may, make you a little bit salty but people that get the advanced screeners for for shows you know so that they can have their reviews and everything ready to go when it when they drop uh, usually they'll give you know a two or three episodes uh, advance so that they can be ready with their content to hit the streams and whatever. Uh, they released 14 episodes to the Bad Batch for for people that get the screeners.
1: It's okay. There's I'm only not,
0: 16 episodes in the season.
1: I'm not salty about it. I just have something to work for. I'm getting that. All right. And I'm not going to share it with you so you can enjoy it one by one.
0: Well, I feel the love.
1: <laughs>
0: I feel the love. Uh, so anyway, th- we talked about the first episode, the first scene of the first episode. I thought it was cool that they didn't give us any context. They just mm-hmm. dropped us in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, they're off there doing their mission. We don't know what's in the crate. Uh, all we know is that Wrecker was probably too loud, and he woke up the hive like he did in the previous episode. So now they have to run. We got some cool action, some cool uh, some cool visuals, and now they're off. They go back to a familiar place, Sid's parlor. And who do we see right, right off the bat? AZ with all of his numbers with the droid that was from Kamino, which I was happy to see because... You know, he, he's a nice, helpful guy. Yeah. But what made me laugh was when Record is just like, yeah, 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 we know, we know. It's like, just <laughs> stop it with your in, your crazy uh, numbers in your name. Um, but we get to see them dropping off this this crate and a new character, uh, which was voiced by Wanda Sykes, by the way. And I thought uh, she was very funny because she's like, she's uh, flirting with tech, calling him brown eyes. <laughs> Her name is Fee Genoa. And um, she was there with some intel and she sets them on the course for their next mission, which was, you referenced it, they got to go, you know, raid the war chest that was left back on Castle Sereno on Dooku's planet of Sereno. Yeah. What did you guys think about right off the bat a connection to Dooku yeah. in this show? What, how'd you guys like that?
2: I wouldn't dig too deep into it. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool to. You know, they could have just gone like, any castle. They could have just made up a planet, made up a castle, and we're like, hey, we're going there. But I think that they see the opportunity to make ties to the Clone Wars, and I I like that they're doing it. I don't know why they wouldn't. Yeah. right. But I don't, I don't think it's too much of a – I don't think it was done for any reason other than to be a callback earlier in the timeline.
0: Yeah, I think it makes sense. It, it just makes sense, right, because Dooku was the leader of the, of the Separatists, he clearly was a very um, rich leader. He had to fund the war himself, right? Part of the part of the war uh, effort for the Republic was funding that war, and they were constantly fighting about that. But Dooku had to do the same thing on his side. Um, well, I mean, we know Palpatine was playing both sides, but still Dooku had to do it for his side. So why wouldn't he have all these treasures, right? Mm-hmm. It just makes story sense for them to go and take what they could uh, from this war chest. I just think it's really interesting that we have a little bit more focus on Dooku again, especially after Tales of the Jedi. Yeah. Because Tales of the Jedi gave us two... Was it two episodes? Three episodes? I think it was...
1: Dooku had the most.
0: Well, there were six episodes. and I think there were three Ahsoka-central ones, and then there was three Dooku-centric.
1: I think one of them crossed over and had Dooku and Ahsoka, so I think technically Dooku had four of them, but Mm. I might be completely wrong. I just remember being... Like, wow, this is a lot about Dooku, who we don't really know much about.
0: Well, and that's really my point, is that they're taking, it looks like they're taking some time to reference this character who really was important in the Clone Wars. He wasn't necessarily a big deal in the movies, except for Attack of the Clones and the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, right? Yeah. But in the Clone Wars, he's very important. He's got multiple episodes, he's got various arcs, and to see them reference it back, I thought it was just a really, it makes a lot of sense. It Mm -hmm. makes a lot of story sense, so... They they go off to Sereno. We see that um, the Empire has done another thing that they did on Camino, which was the orbital bombardment.
1: Yeah, I, that was going to be my biggest thing. Is I like the callback to Dooku. I think it's really cool that they give you a planet and then an actual location to know where he's from. But my biggest takeaway in the Easter egg was there's no planet that was going to be withheld from that bombardment that they had on Camino versus really any other planet like if it's dooku's planet they're raining down Mm -hmm. these these hellfire Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much telling the rest of the galaxy like you're not safe either just because you think you're good now doesn't mean we're not going to turn our blaster and hate you as well
0: yeah i think the idea of an orbital bombardment is is really terrifying in in the sense of what you just said because Mm -hmm. even though nobody knows that the death star is coming nobody knows the terror that that's going to rain and the fear of actually like, Oh yeah, this shows up and it's going to blow up your planet. It's still scary enough to know that, um, a star destroyer or anything up in, up in space. I mean, it's not even in the atmosphere of the planet. So most people are not going to be able to see it can go and rain down this, this fire and these, and this bombardment on a city. I mean, to the residents of that city, that's terrifying. Yeah, and there's right? nothing
1: you can do about it. It's no. not like you can get out of the way. You just sort of got to hope that it doesn't hit you. Yeah. Because you can see it's not a perfect science. It's not a 100% casualty sure. rate. We got to see Romar. I loved him. Yeah. Uh, but you also got to see that Clone Force 99 survived as well, which That's... plays a big part toward the end, right? Yeah. Um, but I really – I'm going to transition myself. Romar was really cool. Mm-hmm. I think he was the hero of the entire arc. Without him – Tech's gone, yep. Echo's gone, Omega's gone, and that doesn't mean they're dead, but yeah. that definitely means they're at least captured and breaks up the, the bad batch that much more. Yeah. And that's a callback to Crosshair, because I want him to be a part of the Bad Batch. At this point, it's broken up. Like that part of the band is no more. They've yeah. moved on. Yeah. Um, but if Romar doesn't show up and follow Tech to where they're going, mm-hmm. he's he's literally collapsed on the ground, not being able to save himself after a really cool fight scene that I haven't seen at a tech. um, But that leaves Echo and and Omega in the crate alone Mm -hmm. and at an absolute, like, disadvantage. It's not like you can start to shoot up. High ground, as we know, is always the advantage.
0: (laughs) So that actually made me think of something, you know, sort of going back to the (laughs) orbital bombardment. Do you think that Darth Vader went to, like, Palpatine and he's like, look, let's take the high ground on every planet. let's because the high ground is what did me in. So let's just do the high ground on everything.
2: No, he, he definitely took the approach of like, look, I just had this idea. Don't ask where I got this idea. I just had this idea, right? You're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we, we jump ahead. Cause there's <laughs> some really interesting
0: things I thought in the second episode, but before we get there, uh, sort of like a, a final thought, everything in star Wars floats. I mean, Everything from the beginning of Star Wars storytelling, Luke and Obi-Wan and C-3PO and R2-D2 were in a land speeder. It floated across the, the, the deserts yeah. of, of Tatooine. <clears throat> um, flatbed dollies. Yep. You can put all kinds, even, even just cargo and crate itself. You could just flip a switch and you see it just levitates where was all of that when they were trying to steal all these crates? Because I was so frustrated and I'm sure they did it on purpose when they're walking around carrying crates with their hands and Omega's shoving stuff in her backpack, trying, you know, shiny things. And where were the, the things that made them float? Yeah. Because they could have moved so much faster and they could have gotten stuff. And I know that that wasn't the point of the episodes, but I still wanted them to get, (laughs) to get some stuff. And it doesn't seem like they got any stuff and they were able to resolve other things, but they didn't get any stuff. So that to me was a little bit of a letdown because they're the bad batch. Like they know what they're doing yeah. and for them to go through all of what they went through and not get any stuff. I was just waiting for one little thing like, Oh, Hey, that, that crate that we left in the trees, we can go get it and yeah. then, and then skate off. But they didn't anyway, it's just a little nitpick, but I, I couldn't believe they actually had to manually carry crates around. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, the the end of the episode was l- like really a cliffhanger, right? And I'm glad we didn't have to wait a week for the next one to come out because there they were in a in a <laughs> in a falling crate, and Omega because she had done her studying is like, no, there should be some re uh, entry boosters that kick in. Another thing I had to think about was the lax the very lax rules of securing freight on these cargo containers. <laughs> do they not understand like shifting weight and what that can do to flying, to flying vehicles? I mean, come on, that's just, I'm sure that there's an Imperial office somewhere that is going to tear the, the, the job apart that yeah. they're doing. This is just very, very, very poor.
2: You know, it, it was funny because I was thinking about Andor when I was watching these, sh- when I was watching the first two episodes and I was thinking about the scenes that they had in, um, like, that office room where, you know, they had yeah. all those officers in there and they were all going over their plans or whatever. And it sort of like felt like a competition between all of them. And it was very strict and very serious. And um, I was thinking about, like, those are the people that these clones are now reporting to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a very different setting than what they were used to before, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, where you, there, there's a lot of times where you would see all of the, all of the big galactic um, or not galactic, all the like star cruisers and everything. And they would all be just sitting up there and they would all just be having a normal conversation. Yeah. You know, they would have their gun next to them holding their helmet or whatever, making decisions about what they were going to do. And it's, it's such a different environment. And it's so interesting to me that now those are the people that, they have to report to and those are the people who are overseeing these missions and it's weird because you don't really see that in animation any much or you don't see that in animation except for like thrawn and rebels i guess mm. but other than that it, you don't see it as i i think of anything that's animated it's usually more fun right but it's taking place in the same time as the seriousness of andor and it's yeah It was hard for me to grasp at first, but I think it just makes it more interesting.
0: It does, because these clones were all action, right? They were always on the front lines. They were waiting for orders and then to go execute these orders. But now it's almost like they are answering to bureaucrats.
1: Yeah, waiting for paperwork.
0: Right. So that's got to be frustrating to them. One of the things I thought was interesting and a subtle point, too, was through seven seasons of The Clone Wars, the clones always referred to each other as their clone names, right? But now in these two episodes, and I didn't know—I don't know if I caught on to much of it in the first season—but it was very apparent in this, these first two episodes. They're referring to each other as their identification numbers, right? CC one two whatever this is. So that that just goes to show another um, aspect of control from the empires, because now they're they're literally just numbers. Yeah, they're not—they're not not people. They're not names. Taking away the
1: humanity of it. Yeah, dehumanizing.
0: yeah, uh, and I th- and I also find it interesting, Kaylee. brought it up that you know we we don't know in this armor. We don't know who is not a clone and who is a clone. There's yeah. clearly still clones because you can tell by the voice. Mm-hmm. But there's as we know from last season. They're bringing in recruits now, and obviously they're not, you know, making clones anymore because of what happened on Kamino. But uh, it, it just—I think it's just very interesting—the subtlety of that little no more names, all numbers. It's yeah. it's very sad.
1: Another subtle thing that I absolutely adored were the droid tanks. Where uh, Wrecker gets his new toy, yeah. just having that. They're there because they were being used yep. months before like timeline yep. wise yep. it was brand new fossil type of thing yep and they knew that they could use it but i just thought it was so creative that they were using those things that they'd been fighting their entire lives to now trade try and save their own i thought yeah. it was a cool little easter egg
0: yeah and the fact that they put a couple of battle droids that were like hanging out on yeah. the <laughs> top of the, the little hatch that was slipped open uh, I thought it was a, a cool subtle point, too. Uh, all right. So as far as the first episode goes, the second episode, I thought some of the highlights for me were, um, honestly, the, the number one highlight for me was was Omega and the conversation she had with uh, Romar, where he handed her a kaleidoscope, basically. Yeah. And she is so focused on, we need, basically, we we need the war chest. Yeah. We need jewels. We need something that is going to help us to get our freedom because of the the clutches of the empire. And she immediately thinks that this thing is full of jewels, but he just, he immediately transitioned it away from physical riches to the riches that you have in your own mind, exactly. in your
1: own heart, in your own soul. Her first question is, what does it do? Mm-hmm. She can't understand what a toy is. Right. She's had to grow up so quickly that I think Romar does a great job of saying like, Hey, this is a toy. You're still a child. Yeah. Be a little creative, be a little fun. Let go of this stress for a second. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and I can't remember it line for line, but I thought it was one of the most um, striking lines in the episode where he said something to the effect of if you if you can find something that gives you joy, then you've found the most valuable thing you can, yeah. right? Like this little kale- kaleidoscope can Be more valuable than a backpack full of jewels. Shiny things. Unfortunately, she didn't learn that lesson in that moment because she then stole his repelling cable and (laughs) went off and tried to get the actual shiny things, which led to another part, which I thought was a very powerful moment, which was Echo basically telling Omega, let go. Yeah. Like, let it go. We have to go. And I don't know about you guys. Maybe it's Game of Thrones PTSD. (laughs) Maybe it was because of what happened to Nemic and Andor. But I was so paranoid when, I mean, really, I was on edge when Echo was standing looking at at Omega down in that cargo container, just waiting for something to fall on him and kill him. I was afraid of that. And and I'm so glad of, I mean, that would be the worst thing for that to happen, right? No reason at all. But um, I was just, did either one of you guys feel like, afraid for echo
1: in that moment i felt a little paranoid but not enough where i was focused on it just because one had already fallen on tech Mm. because one had already fallen on tech i didn't think they would do it again so that put my mind at ease
2: luke were you
1: afraid for echo
0: or am i just overreacting because of my game of thrones watch
2: (laughs) so i don't know maybe it's because the first season had some really serious parts and i i I guess I was right about it because the whole time I was sort of just waiting for something really bad to happen. Yeah. And at the very end of the episode, you know, it was very uh, serious, I guess is one way to put it. Um, But yeah, I just had this weird feeling all along that something bad was going to happen to someone and that was going to sort of set them off on a different trajectory because right now the trajectory they're on, it's – Like they're deciding about the approach they're going to take. They're not really being thrown into a certain path.
1: They're sort of just treading water. And I thought it was
0: cool because we saw there's clearly time has passed, Yeah, right? Omega has grown. Uh, They've changed their look. Time has passed between the Camino incident and now. Uh, But it seems like they have just been going about the status quo and this was the next thing. The thing that has changed, though, was something that Sid said and Sid and this sort of ties to Andor I think. Sid told them like we're not going to be safe here forever. Yeah. My operation at some point is going to get shut down because the grip of the empire is getting worse and worse and, worse and more, more comprehensive. So you guys need to go and do this not only because it's, you know, something that it's a mission I'm giving you, but it's also something you guys need to disappear. Like you guys yeah. need to get some of this the this valuable stuff and go and disappear be
1: autonomous
0: so it just makes you wonder like where are we headed with this where are we going yeah
1: i think it's interesting you said this mission i gave you because they've always just been given a mission yeah they've been always going to some superior who said go do this yeah i think at a certain point they're gonna have to start making their own decisions and not check in with anybody and just be within their group and checking on each other and I think it's going to be a difficult thing for them to try and discover for themselves because they've literally never just checked in and had their own beings and had their own free will to do things. They've always been able to make their own decisions, but they've always had to go and make sure like, okay, we completed our mission, what's next?
0: I like that this is that this really could be the heart of the series, not just the season, yeah. because we see they need to make a decision what's going to be best for them long-term, and you see two schools of thought immediately. You've got Hunter, who is primarily focused on making sure Omega has a good life and protecting Omega, and you've got Echo, who says, we need to be doing more yeah. for people that need help because of this evil empire that we know... Uh, you know, what we know about. So that to me sounds a lot like somebody that's could be involved in a rebellion down the road. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's super exciting, but both of them are right. Right. You, you can decide to go live a quiet life yeah. in anonymity and take care of Omega. But at the same time, echo, he saw <laughs> so much through the yeah. clone wars. He's like, no, we need to do more. So then you add the aspect of, um, crosshair in there who's still alive and who knows that the bad batch is alive too. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting dynamic and twist down the road as well. Um, last thing I think, uh, I think what I found interesting was one of the final scenes where we didn't really talk too much about Wilco, but first of all, I love the fact that they're still stunning everybody yeah. except for, te- uh, except for Recker when he's using his big boomer, and he's just like making, <laughs> making the sides of you know he's shooting down uh, ships, yeah, and, and sides of mountains, and sides of mountains. But one of the more human aspects of the of the episode was when Wilco took his helmet off and was looking at one of the clones that had died.
1: Yeah,
0: um, everything you you had seen with Wilco was on his with his helmet first, and then that was the first moment where he like took it off, and he's you sort of see the the real loss of what's going on. Yeah, he's been the good soldier the whole time. And I just wonder if it's something that connected to his conversation with Rampart at the end when Rampart showed up and said, hey, your report is wrong, fix it, right? And he's like, no, it's not wrong, and I'm not going to fix it at the cost of his life.
1: Yeah, And that's why I think Crosshair's situation is going to be interesting because he had firsthand experience seeing that they survived because they literally helped him survive. So they obviously came and picked him up, And he's going to tell somebody that they're out there. And is Rampart going to try and kill Crosshair too? Will that drive him back to the Bad Mm, Batch? mm. Will he ultimately meet his demise because Rampart's trying to keep his record clean? Yeah. But one thing I wanted to mention, you had mentioned powerful scenes before, is Tech, who I feel like I've talked about a lot in this episode, he knows the odds of him walking on this broken bone Mm. are very low for him to be effective in any capacity. Mm. But he disregards it entirely he even tells uh uh romar i'm going you're yep. not going to stop me mm-hmm. and he goes and he wants to save the two people who are trying to complete the mission yeah. because he knows it's not going to happen yeah and he goes on this broken bone and ultimately romar saves him but you can see the humanity in in tech after seeing all the odds knowing it and going against his his nature
0: well and that's a very non-tech thing to do right that was a very illogical thing the fact that he could go and try to accomplish what he needed to accomplish on a broken leg uh, is not a logical thing so it it's a really nice observation because it goes to show you how much he does love the rest of his crew um and that was i thought that was a very effective scene with all when he was hiding behind that that tree and he was just absorbing blaster fire and then that one clone went around to the side they got into you know a fist fight i thought that that was pretty um you know, that was pretty brutal uh and yeah. then it took everything out of tech to to beat that guy and then he yeah. collapsed so
1: talk about sounds playing a big part because the blasters sound very different than the stuns mm-hmm. the minute i heard like the the very unique sound a stun makes i was like all right tech's fine
0: great i just love oh man i just love the uh i love the fact that they're still stunning yeah. because to me it, it it ties back to ahsoka and rex before when they were trying to escape yeah. in the in the siege of mandalore hurting them yeah, they were not going to kill, and at least it was Ahsoka that led the charge on that. They were not going to kill these clones because they knew it wasn't their fault whatever had happened. And the Bad Batch is still continuing that mindset. And I think that that is a really wonderful theme. Yeah. How long they can continue it on, I don't know. But I like the fact that they started the season with um, with with that, continuing that on. So... Uh, we know that Rampart is out there trying to keep his record squeaky clean. That's an interesting dynamic. The next episode, I believe, is called The Solitary Clone. Ooh. So three guesses who that's going to be about. Captain Rex. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, who's The Solitary Clone? Who do you think is going to be in episode three? Who, who...
2: Uh, I don't know. Crosshair? Crosshair. No. <laughs> um, Obi-Wan. Jabba the Hutt Andor Andor is a solitary
0: clone (laughs) Uh, well alright so any final (laughs) thoughts before uh, we we sign off uh, for this episode on this uh, episode 1 and 2 of The Bad Batch
1: no I I think that has everything in my brain I'm empty that's all the words (laughs) I have anymore and I have to stay quiet the rest of the day
2: it'll be nice to have something to consistently talk about too because it's been a while since we've had yeah. The um, a show come out as consistently the last one was Andor. Yeah. Right. But it'll uh, be nice. It's gonna be
0: pretty interesting going forward because we're gonna, like you said, Luke, right now, we're gonna have our, our, our weekly dose of Bad Batch. And it's gonna go for about three months. March is going to be crazy because we're gonna have Bad Batch every week through through March. Mandalorian starts in March. We're gonna have some overlap with season three of Mando and the Bad Batch. And The Last of Us starts oh, nice. uh, in in March, so there's going to be an, a, an, a what is it called an embarrassment of riches uh, for things to keep us busy talking in 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 March, and then once we start getting into uh, spring and summer, movie movies movies. So yep. uh, anyway, we're gonna we're gonna do our best to share our thoughts with all of you guys about all of this. And we hope that you enjoyed The Bad Batch as much as we did. And, um, you know, consider this your primer, getting ready for The Bad Batch uh, coming up on Wednesday. So thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoy it. Let us know what you thought about The Bad Batch and, uh, and Omega, who your favorite uh, Bad Batcher is. And um, we would we love to-, to hear all of your thoughts. So again, thanks for listening and take care of each other. You can find The Colby Cast on Twitter and Instagram at The Colby Cast. If you're wordy, like me, you can send an email to the Colbycast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is not endorsed by anyone or anything for that matter. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Colby cast unless otherwise indicated.
2: That'll do, Donkey.
0: That'll do.